No Ketchup Chicago. What's really good, my people? Welcome into No Catch Up Sports Talk via Chicago. I am your host, Sean Little. A lot of stuff to talk about in the sports landscape, especially tilted on the Chicago end. Bears are playing in London against the Oakland Raiders, soon to be the Las Vegas Raiders. The Cubs are going to have a new manager. It's popping right now. The NFL's in full swing. We got wild card games on. But we're going to talk about the local stuff, the Chicago stuff. We're going to break down Bears, Raiders. We're going to talk Chase Daniels and Mitch Trubisky. Khalil the Cyborg Mac. We're going to touch on Roquan a little bit. We're going to talk about the NFL being in London, having a team in London. I want to get my thoughts on that. Is that a good idea? Is it feasible? Are the logistics there? Anything is possible out here, but I want to I want to touch on that. Then, after we talk Bears Raiders, I'm going to have my guy Russell Dorsey from MLB.com on. We're going to talk some baseball. We're going to talk about the Cubs, the post-Joe Madden era, his thoughts on the wild card, the one game. If you play 162 games and win 95-plus of them, 96 of them like the Oakland A's, you should get more than one ball game, right? We're going to talk about that. What happened with the Cubs? Are we rebuilding right now? Did we go from World Series to rebuilding? We're going to talk about all of that with Russell Dorsey of MLB.com, Chicago guy. Let's get into it. Bears flying over the pond to London to play the Raiders. Storylines galore in this ballgame. Storylines everywhere you look. The Oakland Raiders are a walking storyline as is. Vontez Burfick, John Gruden, the whole organization is a walking storyline, so you already know there's going to be stuff to talk about there. I actually have a Vontez Burfick story for you. This is a true story. He went to ASU, Arizona State University, just like me, and we used to play pickup together. So I'm going to tell you a story about playing pickup with uh, Vontez Perfect in the uh, in the midst of all this stuff going on with him getting suspended for the year, trying to take people's heads off. Some things never change. But, yeah, the, the game is storylines galore. Khalil Mack is back playing the Raiders. Chase Daniels playing his second game in a row. Filling in for, uh, for Mitch Trubisky with the separated shoulder, labrum tear. That's only going to have him out for a couple weeks. He, he'll be able to come back with a harness since it's the non-throwing shoulder after the bye. Roquan Smith is making the trip to London. He will play per Roquan Smith. He said that. He told the media that. lot to talk about. But let's kick it off with the game being in London. Big discussion is the NFL wants to bring a full-time squad to London. 16 games. 
I don't even know what I don't know what you would call them yet. They ain't got that far. If they need some suggestions, holler at me. I can come up with a dope ass name for the London NFL squad. What about the Markles? <laughs> Shout out Megan Markle. Maybe we could name the football squad after uh the first lady out there. That seems fitting, right? An American, colored American, goes to London, marries Prince Harry. Fuck it. Let's just name the football squad after her. Call them the Markles. <laughs> Put like a, a light-skinned black lady on the logo. That might be kind of racist, but we can figure something out. Something tasteful. The Markles. The London folks love NFL ball. Europe loves NFL ball. The fan support is there. Check. I was out in Germany this past Super Bowl. Shout out Maxi. Shout out D Will. We went over uh, to Germany to catch some Euro ball hoops, and we it was it just happened to be the time of the Super Bowl, so we watched Rams. Patriots in like this big beer hall in Germany and it was jammed and everyone was over there they all had their jerseys on I I guess just like I'm an Arsenal fan and I picked Arsenal that's who I've rocked with the last six years it looks like these dudes just picked the NFL squad and rocked with them there was Jaguar fans out there there was Patriots fans there was Bears fans there was Packer fans it was dope so the market is there the fan support is there. The London games sell out instantly. In minutes. Meanwhile, some of these squads here, or people struggle to even have people show up for games. Shout out the Chargers. Stadium. Check. The games this year are going to be split between Wembley and the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And I was reading an article about this new Spurs stadium that I found really interesting. I didn't know this. So the NFL pumped in a ton of money into the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It's the state-of-the-art um, state-of-the-art stadium for the Tottenham Hotspurs English Premier League squad. But I didn't realize the NFL pumped in a bunch of money and the stadium comes equipped with, with its own football field. And on top of that, there's NFL-sized locker rooms within the stadium. You can slide the soccer field out of the stadium, and underneath it is an American football turf. On t- underneath the soccer pitch is an American football field. They're thinking ahead. That's a big signal for me that they plan on moving. They plan on having a squad out there. If on construction for a new stadium, that's a soccer stadium, first and foremost, you come to them and say, hey, we'll pump you a ton of money if you make this versatile enough for us to, to have a squad over here or at least play a bunch of games over here anytime we feel like it. That's a big move from the NFL. They're not just pouring money in there for no reason. 
They're running four games over there right now. They would like to get the most out of their money and run 16, have their own squad. The Markle's out there. The biggest problem you know is the flight. The logistics of the flight, figuring out what, I mean, I guess if you put them on the East Coast, right, it's a five and a half hour London, London to New York flight. So that's doable. I think it starts to get a little crazy in the playoffs. Say they say they make the playoffs, the Markles make the playoffs, and they have to play the Rams. Or they have to play Seattle. Then it then shit starts getting crazy. We're talking nine hour flights, jet lag, short weeks. That's when it starts to get crazy. But I got a couple ideas. Hear me out. How about you just schedule 16 games in a row in London? They get a week one, a week two, a week three, all the way through week 17. So it'd be 17 games. Excuse me. My math is trash. Schedule a full slate. Give them a full season of games. Mix and match the teams just like they're doing this week with Bears, Raiders, Every week they have a different matchup. Sorry, London folk, you don't get your own squad, but hey, you could watch NFL football every week all year if you want. That seems feasible. That seems feasible to me. Split it up. So you don't have to worry about the logistics piece of it. Just give them a full slate. That would think about how dope that'd be if around the country one of the Premier League games was in the United States of America. That would be tough. Every week, no matter what, somewhere in the United States, there was a Premier League game going on. Sometimes you get Man City, Liverpool. Sometimes you get. Aston Villa, Watford, but it's still Premier League ball. It'd still be something to go check out. It'd be dope. That's my first idea. Give them a full slate. Let them act like they have a whole squad. They get a game every week. Go check those out. Pick a, pick a couple cities in, in, in England. Manchester, London, Liverpool, whatever. Whatever y'all want to do. Whoever's got the building to, to handle it. Two. I mean, this is simple. Goodell and the boys just have to come up with a crazy private 747 commute style, commute style jet. Private. All the bells and whistles decked out. Multi-level plane, I'm talking training room, film room, beds. Make it the most comfortable flight humanly possible. That's how you can get it done. Make it, it's, it, it wouldn't be an issue, a big of an issue for them to fly. That, that's the other option. Shit, they get a whole, they can get a training session, sleep, eat. Watch some film, 
get worked out, work on that. That's possible. Goodell got the bread. The Shields got the bread. Shit, they can use Vontez Burfix's fine money for, for the for a couple bells on the joint off top. <laughs> he giving them he giving them back a couple mil. They can use that off top for a new paint job at least. You know what I'm saying? But let's get to the game. Let's get to the reason why we're in London. Bears, Raiders. Bears have an opportunity to go into the bye four and one. If you can say that before the season, I don't care how we got here. I don't care how bad Trubisky's looked. I do, but I don't. If we can scrape and, and scrape and claw and get to the bye week four and one, we in good shape. Because the stretch after that is going to be tough. Let's talk about Chase Daniel. Backup guy. We already know that. He played great last week. I was at the game. It was an awesome game. Shout out my boy Willie Runs. It was an awesome game. Bears did their thing, dominated. I was sitting in the United Club 300 level on the east side. Those are the best seats in the building. Forget about the lower level. You want to be on the east side, second level, between the 40s. The view is amazing. You can see everything develop. Everything is right there. If you're looking to buy some tickets, go United Club, section 308 to 311. I would never steer you wrong. Came in the game and did his thing, Chase Daniels. Was ready to play. Offense was moving the rock. We scored a TD early and then essentially just managed the game all the way out after we saw how the defense was playing. Defense is just outrageous, like usual. I want to talk about, I mean, because what what is there? There's not too much to talk about Chase Daniels, right? We know what he is. He's a backup. We saw him last year. He came in against, I can't remember exactly who it was. The first game played well, and then he looked really bad the second game. I think the first game might have been Minnesota. Don't quote me on that. But the second game was in the Meadowlands against the Giants, and he looked horrendous. We know what Chase is. He's a backup. Did he come in and look good? Yes, no doubt. Do I think he can continue to play well, steer the boys right, get us wins? No doubt. But let's talk about one thing. This is what I was thinking about, and I don't think I've ever, ever, ever seen this for a, for a contending squad that can possibly win the NFC, which the Bears can do. Regardless of what side of the coin you're on with Trubisky, he's trash. He's still learning. People were saying Chase Daniels is better. I saw that all over the place. Leave Mitch on the bench. Chase can get it done. Or if you're on, you're still on the Mitch side where he's the future, he's still learning. It's only his second year in the O. He's going to get better. 
Mitch is the man. Mitch can be a top quarterback in the league. Mitch was a pro bowler. (laughs) All that talk. Regardless of that, have you ever felt less panic or heard less panic from the media or fans with their QB1 going out? Think about that. We lost our starting young quarterback. No one has blinked an eye. It's it's almost like people just shrug their shoulders like, all right, well, I mean, he wasn't doing shit anyway. So we're good. And this is from even the people that I've heard support Mitch. I haven't seen them come out and, and say how worried they are about the Bears team and what they're going to do going forward. That in itself tells you a lot about what people feel about Mitch Trubisky. He went down. He's out at least three weeks. No one really cared. Shrugged their shoulders. Chase can come in and get it done. If Matt Stafford went down in Detroit, Lions season automatically over. Forget about it. They have no chance to do anything. That's all people will be talking about in Detroit is how unlucky they are that Matt Stafford went down. Russell Wilson, he goes down in Seattle. Season is over. Season is done. Drew Brees goes down. Their season's continuing to rock because New Orleans paid extra money to keep Teddy Bridgewater on the squad. It was almost like Sean Payton knew that was going to happen. Breeze is getting a little older. Let's keep somebody around just in case some shit goes awry. He could keep us afloat, no problem. Our QB1 goes down, Mr. Bisky. It's a shoulder shrug. People not even worried about it. Yeah, Mitch is down? All right, bring in Chase. (laughs) Think about that. Russell Wilson, Matt Stafford go down. That's all anybody in Seattle and Detroit are talking about. Shoulder shrug in Chicago, Mitch Trubisky comes down. That, that, That tells me a lot about the overall thoughts of Mitch Trubisky and what he can bring to the to the table. Matt Nagy said about Chase Daniels, and I quote, we're in good position right now knowing that Chase came in last week and we've been in this position before, so we're fully confident in that, Matt Nagy said. True. True that, Matt. Another thing that helps is the Raiders are absolutely trash on defense. They're giving up 25.5 points a game, almost 350 total yards. 126 yards on the ground. If we can get David Montgomery and those boys rolling, if they giving up 126, we could get 126. We can get 146. And if that's the case, then the offense is really, I don't care if it's Chase or not. With Matt Nagy calling, if we're running the ball down somebody's throat and we're going for 150, 160 a game, forget about it. And that goes for a lot of squads in the league. To get more in-depth on the Oakland defense, 
and how whack they are. They're 28th in the league in interception rate, 31st in sacks per pass attempt, 25th in passing yards per play, and 27th in third down defense. This sounds like a recipe for a W, especially on a neutral field. Chase can beat that squad. 29th in sacks per pass attempt? You got to pressure the quarterback in this league. This is 100% a fact right now, and it pains me to say this, but we have to go that, that Ravens route right now to try to win this title. Trent Dilfer style, serviceable game manager. That goes for Chase 100%. And it's starting to lean that way with Mitch. Let the defense wreak havoc. And we just got to score 20, 20 points a game. It seems that way. It's a shame because we all, we, we, we're always hungry for O in Chicago. Show us some offense. Go make some plays. We got all these weapons and we ain't making no plays. It's a shame, but that's the trajectory that we're on. By any means necessary, though, let's get it done. By any means necessary. Let's move over to Khalil Mack. Mack's so ready to play these boys, dog. <laughs> he can't wait to play his whole squad. Y'all going to let me walk out the door? I'm going to have to give you a reminder. I've watched every interview of him talking about the Raiders, and he just can't wait to play them. There's one thing Mac isn't very good at, and it's it's hot. He just keeps it 100. He doesn't he doesn't front. You can see it on his face, his body language, his facial expressions. You ask him a question, he's like, "Yeah, I'm ready. I can't wait to play those boys." He smiles, shrugs, like, "Yeah, let's get it." He can't hide that. Just so we're clear on where Mac is at. Every, every week we talk about how Mac is killing and Mac does this. Mac's unstoppable. Mac's a cyborg. He's the best player in the league. All facts. But let's get through the, the actual numbers real quick for a second. Let me give you a reminder. Mac's stat line through 18 games as a Chicago Bear. 17 sacks. 10 forced fumbles, 5 pass deflections, a touchdown, and probably 500,000 QB hurries. <laughs> I don't have the number on hurries, but it's got to be 600,000. He's hurrying the quarterback every pass play. 17 sacks in 18 games? Not even to talk about all the sacks he's created for for Floyd, Hicks, Harris. He should get a half sack for all those, my, my, for, for, for my money. I have the audio of Mac talking about the Raiders going in, how he was feeling. Let's break that down. Here's Khalil Mack talking about playing his old team, the Oakland Raiders. 
Yeah, it's another game, man. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun one because I know know a few of the guys out there, but uh, it's gonna be a good one. Can't wait. Cliff, how do you describe your bond with Derek and obviously coming in together and, and the, the bond you guys forged while you were together? I mean, it was yeah, special, man. That's my brother. Uh, I love him, but uh, it's gonna be fun to compete against him this week. What do you appreciate most about him as a teammate? Uh, off the field, man. Um, off the field, just spending all that time. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and when we were, when we were there, we were trying to change the culture. And um, yeah, just going through that process together, man. It was, it was real special. When you got there and you were coming up with him, did you think of yourself as wanting to? What you appreciate about David Carr when you was in Oakland, Khalil? Shit, off the field. <laughs> Yo, off the field, dude's a really good guy. <laughs> He's not even, that's the first thing I caught. He said, off the field, bro. I mean, because he definitely wasn't doing shit on the field. That's for sure. Be there for your entire career and wanting to be a Raider for a long time? Man, that's the, that's the expectation, man, when you get drafted to a team. Uh, you want to yeah, you wanna be there for the long haul and bring championships and all those good things. But, yeah, it's the business side of it doesn't doesn't really – yeah, let you do that. Were, were you disappointed when, not not when you got traded, but before that, when you started to see that it was not going to work out there? Man, you said I was disappointed, man, but it's the nature of the business, man. Um, you got to understand that first and foremost, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, yeah, let everything take care of itself. Uh, let it, you only can control what you can control. But, uh, yeah, when it comes to football, I love the game of football. You've done one of these trips before. Man, he don't care about the Oakland Raiders. It's business. He should have said, I'm glad I got out of there. They're garbage. This is, a, this is a way better organization. We prioritize winning over here. They just happened to draft me. Yeah, that's the goal when I get drafted is to make a big impact and stay out there, but it didn't happen like that. Now we're in Chicago. Um, are you looking forward to anything special in London, or is this just a business trip? It's a business trip, man. Uh, strictly business, and uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's gonna, it's gonna be a fun one. Any, would you get a chance to maybe go and see anything, any of the sites that they have there in London? I mean, they might get a chance to see me. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, a, I'm not going out there for particularly anything other than the. Yo, <laughs> he said this is a business trip. Then they asked him. Are you going to be able to get over there and, you know, see any of the sites? You're going to see the London Eye, Khalil? You're going to see the London Bridge, Khalil? You're going to see Big Ben, Khalil? He said, I don't know, man. I, he said, they might get an opportunity to see me. <laughs> that line is so incredibly good. He doesn't care about any of that. London? I don't know, who cares? The sites? Man, y'all are there. I'm going to be in London. Y'all come to see me. Y'all come to see me put it on the Oakland Raiders. I ain't worried about seeing Big Ben. That'd be the Raiders. Khalil, who else on that Raiders team are you still <coughs> close with? I know there's been so much turnover there. Oh, man. Um, it's, it's been a lot of turnover over there, man. Um, I don't think Gabe Jackson's playing right now. Uh, I know Carl Joseph's playing. Uh, I mean, you got Markel Lee. Uh, it's, a, it's a few guys, man, that, uh, you know what I mean? When I was there, man, uh, yeah, this, this, we rocked together, you know what I'm saying? And we still do. 
but uh, it was going to be fun to compete against those guys as well. Would, would you call any of the quarterbacks that you've sacked so far in your career a, a brother and, and how you know <laughs> that that, that's <laughs> yeah that's that's the whole point right so uh that's that's the that's ultimately going to be the fun part as well man i uh, competing against that guy uh knowing what type of competitor he is uh he's an ultimate competitor man and um i know he's gonna have something up his sleeve and um, i want to make sure i'm ready for it well, you talked Sunday night about this defense not missing a beat despite missing some key guys. How yeah. do you describe the, the standard of excellence that you guys have here? Um, how do I describe it? Uh, can't really describe it, to be honest, man. Um, it's just uh, it's, uh, it's just uh, what you call it. It's kind of contagious, man. you kind of one of those energies that you catch. And um, everybody's been catching it, man. Everybody's been catching that feeling of, of wanting to make plays and, and be out there and, and make a difference in a positive way. And that's, that's what you see when you turn on the film. I think that's underrated in team sports in general. Feeding off the other people's energy. That's why the locker room is so important. That's why people liking each other is so important. That's why people unified and being on the same page is so important. That's why if if you feel like you should be playing but you're not, you're not you're not toxic in the locker room. You're supporting your brothers. Someone goes down, someone jumps up. Because then all that energy just parlays into trying to make plays. I'm trying to make a play because you're making plays. Man, I got to get a sack. This is Leonard Floyd. I got to get a sack because Mac, I mean, God damn. He going out getting a sack all day. It just makes people hungry. It makes people want to make plays, especially when you like each other. Feels better to dance in club dub when you make a play. So you, you know you want to make this just another game, but do you have to repress feelings of kind of vindictiveness and getting back at the Raiders for treating you the way you did, or do you? In your heart I like that word. You really feel like it's just I mean, another game. That's the whole point, man. Um, you can't play this game with too much emotion, man. Um, ultimately, I try to stay focused on the, on the task at hand, uh, understanding the situation, understanding what they're going to be thinking. Mm-hmm. I feel. But uh, ultimately, I'm going to go out there and do what I do, and that's play football and, and love the game that I play. You know so there, there might be feelings deep in your heart that you just can't let get to the surface? Is that what yeah, absolutely, saying? absolutely. There's, there's feelings that you suppress, but also, also uh, it's no big deal to me, man. I'm here. I love the Bass, and um, we're going to go out and try to get this win. Can you feed off that? It's no big deal to me, man. I'm here now. I don't care about the Raiders. I know I say this all the time. This guy is so confident and so on another level and so calm. He doesn't even worry about it. Vindictiveness, he said. He said, I like that word. He, well, I don't even, I don't know the saying. That's like, I don't know, you got to like be careful for the quiet guy in the room. This is, he, this is Khalil Mack. He doesn't talk a big game. He just goes out every week, busts everybody's ass. Then they come ask him. He's really calm about how he just busted everybody's ass, and then he keeps it moving. Couldn't you? Couldn't oh. that feel you a little bit? Uh, yeah, something? man. You can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> why, would you, why would you suppress it? Wouldn't you? I mean, no. It's just yeah. You could say I'm suppressing the emotional side yeah. of it, but the other side is to go out and make them pay for it. Do you get any satisfaction out of it being kind of proven right in that situation that you you have clearly shown you're worth the amount of money that they wouldn't pay you? Uh man, you could talk all day, man. I ain't a talker, man. Um, I just want to go out and show, like you said, and uh, I'm going to let that be that. I'm not a talker, man. Forget all that. Let's keep. Let's just get to the game. 
I'll show them exactly what they're missing. They should have paid me, but now I'm in Chicago. Let's get it rolling. They know they messed up, and they definitely going to know when I got three sacks. David Carr going to know they messed up. Game is at 12 o'clock, so we ain't got to worry about getting up wild early, doing all that goofy London stuff. Make sure you get your picks in early and all that. No, nah, you ain't got to do that. Let's move to 4-1 and one with Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith said it himself. He's going to play. Taking a trip, going to play on Sunday in London. I'll keep this short and sweet, man. I know the media and I know everyone wants to know what happened, why didn't he play. Forget about it. It's done. It's over and done with. Mental health, maybe. Family matter, maybe. It's an interesting situation. It'll become a problem if it continues to happen and we still don't know why. That's when it might be it might need to be explained a little bit more than it is right now. Personal matter, cool. Keep it hush. I'm good with that. If this is going to be a one-time thing where we're like, yo, remember back in 2019 when Roquan missed the third game of the year? Fourth game of the year? Who cares? Personal matter, mental matter or not. Whatever it is, I hope he gets good. I hope it's all gravy. But let's keep it moving. There's a lot of there's a lot of untold on that story. And it's actually an, uh, a test to our organization in the, in the locker room and the players that nothing's leaked, nothing's got out, nobody knows anything. It's a good sign. Because there's certain organizations where this would have been out no problem. Someone would have told somebody something, a doctor, whoever, and that would have come out. But it's tight-lipped up there at Hallis Hall. If, it, if, if, if this doesn't become a reoccurring thing, stop asking questions about it. Let it fly. If he starts missing every other game, then we can start prying for information. Let's talk some baseball. We know what's going on with the Chicago Cubs. It's a new day. Theo Epstein at the presser. Interesting presser. Took a bunch of blame for how things have been going, signings not working out. Talked about the direction of the squad, the post-Joe Madden era. Sad to see Joe go. You get that? It's, it's such ebbs and flows with managers, right? So we're happy he gets signed. He comes here. He makes a difference. We win the World Series. And we start to do a little lulls. We love all his antics, the costumes, the parties, the themed travel. Madden, what a great manager. Everything he's doing is the best. We start to dip a little bit. We make a couple bad signings. Pitching's not there. Hitters aren't hitting. Next thing you know, what are all these, man? Nobody even listens to Joe. No accountability. He can't do anything right. Forget about all these costume and jersey flights. Get us someone that's a hard-nosed, accountable guy that'll get people in order. It's just how people work. One thing I do find interesting is that I've seen this movie before, right, in sports. You go get an offensive genius in the NFL. That doesn't work out. You go get a defense hard-nosed guy. 
You get a lax baseball manager like Madden, everything, everything's going great. Then it's not going great. Then you completely flip and go get someone super, super hard-nosed and holds everyone accountable. It's too relaxed here. Let's tighten it up. I just hope we don't go too far down that tighten it up spectrum. Madden had his flaws, and I do think it was time for a new voice. But stay tuned. There's a lot of holes on that roster and a lot of things that we need to fix. I think the biggest thing that was interesting out of the Theo Epstein press conference was he talked about essentially going all in on the core group of guys that we have right now, the young guys, and it might have been the wrong move. We emptied the farm system to get some more pitching. To add a bat here, add a bat there, add a bullpen arm here, to go all in on the young guys that we have. And he feels like, I was getting the, the, the feeling that he felt like that was a mistake. I'm having my guy Russell Dorsey from MLB.com, Chicago-based guy. We're going to talk about what went wrong with the Cubs from World Series to rebuild. Is this considered a rebuild? From World Series in 2016, are we rebuilding now? We'll talk possible replacements. And I do want to ask him about that point with uh, Epstein about going all in with the current young guys that we had. Was that a mistake? How did he feel about that? Did he see it the same way as me when, when, when he was watching the presser? And then we'll close it out with the wild card, does that need to be revamped? Does that one-game playoff need to be revamped? This is Russell Dorsey, Chicago-based, MLB.com baseball writer. Joining me now, Russell Dorsey, MLB.com writer. What's going on, my man? Man, I appreciate you having me on. Everything is everything. How you doing? Man, you couldn't have said it any better. I'm good, man. It's sunny out. Coffee's tasting good. It's, everything is good. Right, it's cool outside, not too warm. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. This you is can walk around and not have to worry about sweating. Got to do, or have a little towel on you. It's, it's all good. It's the best time of the year for me, no doubt. Oh yeah. Let's talk about these Cubs, man. Man, I, I think uh, it, there's a lot. There's a lot of change that's about to be made around this town. Uh, it's going to look a lot different when we get to the spring training, and even a lot sooner than that. I wouldn't be surprised if by Thanksgiving time, you know, there's a new manager here in town and maybe a couple of new players uh, on the north side. What went wrong? Because I remember, I went, you know what, because I went back, because I went back and I was listening to my pregame or preseason talk and we were going down like the breakdown and a big concern was the bullpen and going in. But as much as that was talked about and it was a problem, there was just a lot of things that, that just weren't going our way. What went wrong? I think if you look at the roster on paper, um, there was you'd say there's no way this team doesn't go to at least the National League Championship Series, let alone the World Series. But as the season got going, it was always they can never find a real rhythm, and it was always something. Whether it was okay, we don't have a leadoff hitter, which plagued them for the last two years. Uh, they had these moments where you'd say, "All right, this is the best offense in baseball," and then they have two straight 
shutout. Um, so they'd score 10 runs, then they score one run. They'd score eight runs, they scored no run. And there was just no real consistency all year long. So at the end of the year, they have the, the seven most runs in all of baseball, maybe a little bit higher than that. But at the same time, they're out of the playoffs and they won 84 games. So there's a lot of different things that went wrong for them. Uh, the injuries obviously hurt with, with Javi going down, um, with Chris Bryant having his issues with the knee later in the season and, and Rizzo the last big blood in. But I don't think you can blame those uh, for, for the, the whole result. I think there was a lot of different things. The bullpen was really bad. The starting pitching, especially in the second half, if you exclude you, Darvish was horrendous. They just got, they got old. At home watching the rest. They just got old really quick. It looked like it. I think you could say that you could say John Lester yeah. uh, hit that first real turn uh, towards looking his age. Uh, Cole Hamels was not good after he came back from the oblique injury. I think he kind of had a really good August, and then in September he kind of just uh, went south. So there was a lot that went wrong with that pitching staff, and yeah, it, it's it's. Not surprising that the Brewers chase them down for the second year in a row. I thought the Theo Epstein postseason interview was spectacular. And by spectacular, yep. I mean very interesting. He always it keeps was, it. Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, it was uh, It was definitely telling because you could tell that this wasn't last year where they said, Oh, we'll make some changes, and no, they didn't really change the roster that they they had that season. I think this year he said it, and you could tell that he meant it, and there was going to be real change, not only to the manager and the coaching staff, but they're going to. He he said that they were going to change the way that they did things, and that starts from the top in their uh, major league baseball development and their staff, and uh, not just the roster, even though that's going to take a big turn. And it was the first time I really thought that that confirmed to me that one major member from their core is going to get moved. And that, that core would be the core of Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, Contreras. Uh, I think Kyle Schwarber is going to get moved, but I don't think he's one of the main core players that can get you the, the value and the haul in a trade that you probably want back. That's interesting because the, the the biggest thing that I took out of his presser was he seemed to regret, he didn't say this directly, but he seemed to regret emptying the farm system and betting on the core players that you just had, that you just mentioned. He didn't yeah. say that, but he's like, man, maybe I was wrong. Maybe these dudes couldn't carry us like I thought they, they could. Did you feel that way? Uh, I think... When I think that's something he talked about that was really interesting. He said in the first five years of our rebuild and our window, we hit on almost all of our deals uh, at a historic pace. They, and if you look at it, they did. They, the trades that they made worked out well. The signings that they made worked out well. They had guys who were 21 and 22 years old that played like they were 28, 29 in their prime. And that's what helped them win the World Series. At the same time, sometimes the stars just happen to align for you. And I think Theo and company realized that maybe in 2016, the stars aligned for them and guys really hit. That was their peak. 
and what they were going to be. If you look at Addison Russell, besides all of his other issues that he's had, maybe he wasn't that good of a player. And in 2016, you know, he, he, he everything just went right for him. Um, with Kyle Schwarber, he had a bounce back year this year, but if you look at the whole player and everything he's been so far, it's been disappointing to what they thought he was going to be. They called this dude Babe Ruth, which I think was a detriment <laughs> to him uh, and unfair, but he yeah. hasn't been nearly that. But uh, I think after a, a decent year this year, I think he's he's kind of figured some things out that will help them be able to move him in a deal this winter. Would you say it's like a little half rebuild? What what do you even call the what what do you call the squad right now? Because I was arguing with my homies internally, and it's not a full rebuild because we have a ton of pieces, right? So is I, right. It's it's just interesting. What do you think? I'll, I'll I just I'll just I'll angle it this way. Outside of the manager, because we're going to get to possible replacements here next. But what do you think is the biggest thing they need to add? Uh, uh, I'd call it the word I'd use is retool as opposed to rebuild. Yeah. Because I think, uh, from a structural standpoint, they have enough pieces where if you make a, a few smart trades, you're going to have to make one big trade that feels uncomfortable, but if it makes your team better in the long run, that's what you got to do. Um, I think they need one, at least two starting pitchers. Um, because you got to assume Cole Hamels won't be returning next year, and then you need a, another depth piece, uh, maybe a dude like Kyle McHugh from the Astros who's been a starter and a reliever and who could jump in both of those roles, like Chat Wood's been kind of doing for them. Um, they need a leadoff hitter really bad. Man, Where talk that to guy him. comes from. Talk to him. Wherever we know, get him from, bro, yeah. wherever. <laughs> wherever, it's, it's, wherever it's, we gotta it's go it's difficult because those dudes don't grow on trees um, and the guys who are you know the great leadoff hitters in the game aren't your old school fast dude who doesn't hit the ball at ballpark like the dudes leading off right now are hitting 30 home runs George Springer and Charlie Blackman guys like that like yeah. those dudes aren't being moved so you're gonna have to be really smart about how you you go about trying to acquire that guy. And Theo talked about potentially going out and getting that guy. Um, and they need a center fielder. In a perfect world, they'd find one who could also be their leadoff hitter. Um, and it's funny because everything they describe is trying to find Dexter Fowler again. But he's yeah. not going to come walking through that door. That is interesting, um, so right? You're going to have to figure out. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Like, you've done everything to move on from 2016, yet you can't find that leader hitter that helps you be so successful in that, in that time. So that, I think those are the big things. Oh, and obviously the bullpen was horrendous. Yeah. Um, Craig Kimbrell, I, I, I would imagine is going to be a lot better with a full spring training and a season to get ready and, and pitch normally. Like we expect him to, he might not be the two, two ERA and throwing one-on-one anymore. Uh, but I expect him to be dramatically better than he was this year because he really hurt them down the stretch. Yeah, I, and I've, I've made this point multiple times. I think that's a, a huge deal that he didn't get a full spring training. He didn't get he didn't he didn't really start going until what July. So yeah, I mean, and then and they yeah. only gave him a couple weeks to get ready. Exactly, and so and and the thing that really hurts the most on that is we had the opportunity to go get him early. And we kind of sat on it, sat on it, sat on it, and then 
when shit got real ugly early in the beginning of the season, we we're like, all right, we I guess we just got to do it now. Almost like some right. patchwork things, and we could have had that done earlier. But but right. I think I think you hit it on the head. Let's talk possible replacements. Listen, my for Joe Madden, I'm talking about possible replacements for Joe Madden. Okay. The biggest thing for me is I've seen this in sports all the time. If it's football, you go from this offensive juggernaut head coach and he doesn't work, so you go to the opposite spectrum and go get a defensive guy. You know what I'm saying? So Joe Madden, super lax, lets the guys do as they want, come and go. Everyone gets treated very well. The girlfriends come on the plane. Everybody does whatever they want. But we're winning, so it's cool. You start to lose, then that all turns negative instantly. We all know that, right? I don't want us to go completely opposite spectrum and get some super hard-nosed guy that comes in and just completely tries to flip the whole culture that we've already brought especially with guys like Rizzo and and Brian having big voices in the locker room. Now, I heard you on uh, Sports Live say you thought Ross would be a finalist, but not he wouldn't get the job. Give me give me who you think uh, the yeah. the replacement should be and 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 why or what style they should have. I actually said I think he will get an interview, but I don't think he'll even be one of their finalists. Okay. I think um, from what Theo was saying, it sounds like because he came out and said that he wanted the coach job, I think Theo addressed it. Had Theo not, I mean, had uh, David Ross hadn't come out and said that he wanted the job, I don't even think Theo would have mentioned David Ross unless a reporter or somebody like that brought it up. Uh, so you In feel which like case, I think he would say, "I, I don't, I don't think it's." It would be good to reveal who our candidates are. So you think that story is just picking up way more steam than it even deserves? I think I think it's it's, it's picking up the steam it deserves because obviously he's an internal candidate. He's been a, an assistant to to Theo, um, and he clearly wants a job and has a relationship with those guys. But from everything they were saying, they don't want to look back to 2016. They want to look ahead. They want to be a different team, and they think that looking back to 2016 and how they did it in 2016 is part of their issues and part of the reason they, they hadn't been successful in the last three years. So I don't think uh, if you look at the things that they said and what they're looking for, I don't think David Roth is, is their guy. I think uh, some other candidates are, that would be good, Mark Loretta, who they brought in last last year, is an internal guy. Uh, I think bring the the, they use the word accountability a lot. Uh, and I think he he would help bring that. Um, it's a guy they know, a guy that knows the issues going on in that clubhouse. Externally, I think Joe Girardi maybe gets a look. I don't think that's who they're going to hire. Um, I think Carlos Beltran is a candidate I would seriously look at. I think he's a, you talk about baseball guys, I think he's a, a really strong baseball guy. He's already been managing in the Yankee system. Uh, he's been doing front office work too. I I personally think that's a guy who who can come in and and be a really big help to to those guys. He's a guy who's done it, uh, borderline Hall of Fame type of player. I think guys would come in and respect Carlos Beltran right away. That's interesting, man, because the players always rock with the players, especially successful guys that know know what it's like, like Beltran would, no doubt, and they're a little younger. Right. It's gonna be a long. It's gonna be a long, long, long off season. There's no doubt about that. 
definitely will. It definitely will. I think uh, this. It's the Cubs have had. Will have to take a really long look in the mirror of of who they are. And I think um, Theo and company did that and said, you know what, we're not a good team right now, and it starts with us here in the the baseball ops department. What are we doing wrong? Like we've developed all these young guys, and now that they've gotten to the big league, they haven't really done anything since. Um, besides Bryant, Baez, and, and Rizzo, Rizzo and, and Baez, who you know were already kind of developing without them when they turned it on and became stars in the league. So, it, if you look at what they've developed, they really just developed Chris Bryant uh, and Wilson Contreras. I, you can they can get credit for that too. But yeah, no uh, that was also a guy who was not signed by them that was a Jim Hendry signing he was already in the organization so they did a good job in, in developing him with their baseball ops team but yeah they, the really big star for them uh, are you know Kyle Hendricks developed under their watch and Chris Bryant stay tuned it's gonna be a lot going on Russ we gonna leave it there man I appreciate you coming on yeah man anytime I really appreciate you having me hey no doubt make sure you guys go follow my man Russell Dorsey from MLB.com on Twitter at Russ, R-U-S-S underscore Dorsey, D-O-R-S-E-Y, and the number one. Catch all his old stuff. Used to be on Forbes Sports, Chicago Sports, Baseball Pro. MLB.com, Russell Dorsey. Appreciate you, my dog. Hey, anytime, man. Dorsey brought up Carlos Beltran in the city. That would be interesting. He doesn't think Girardi's that. Nah. He, he kind of moved off Girardi quick. He didn't say it directly. I try, I reinforced it. But it sounds like the raw story to him is just getting more smoke than it deserves. Theo brought it up just because everybody's talking about it. Because Ross mentioned that he wanted it. He doesn't think that's a plausible thing. We keep wanting to try to move off of 2016. Moving off of 2016 would be getting away from David Ross. All that, all we would talk about was 2016 if Ross came back. It's a good point from Dorsey. That's it for No Catch-Up, Sports Talk via Chicago. I am your host, Sean Little. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, locking in everywhere. Bears getting that W in London.